We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. England make the worst mistake imaginable at an international tournament. They used up all their goals in the first game. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. about me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. I'm going to have to stop saying that. I have to say this is the Arsenal Vision World Cup Daily. Welcome to the World Cup Daily, everybody. This is our first proper World Cup Daily. You heard the awesome, let's just say it, the awesome music that Roxy Arms Harris wrote for uh, the Euro Daily that we did. But we're using it again because it's awesome and I love it. And it just brings me back to my 80s upbringing not that i was alive in the 80s obviously being born late in the 90s really early 2000s i mean really the 2010s um he says lying more and more nose growing with every every utterance um unfortunately lewis not feeling great today so he's not going to be joining us but you can expect lewis ambrose to be here for most of these episodes but who needs lewis when you got phil costa you can find him on twitter at underscore phil costa hello phil costa Hello, Elliot. I think Lewis was cheering so much for Bukayo Saka that he popped a popped a nerve or something. Um, I mean, like we all did. Like we as all you did. do. Yeah, exactly. As you do. And I should say, um, Matt Turner, another Arsenal player who was in action today. Uh, I think it's fair to say mixed, mixed from Matty, Matty mixed, mixed Matty Turner. We'll maybe get into that a little bit. And uh, what I think of Burr Halter. It's similar to what I think of Tottenham. But that's another issue altogether. I can't help it. I'm the worst kind of USA fan. Like, I, it just brings out all my all my negative fandom. But we'll get to that in a bit. Let's do this in order of maybe interest to listeners, maybe interest to myself. So we've got four games to cover: uh, the England game, the USA game, the the Netherlands Senegal game, and the uh, Qatar Ecuador game. So we'll get to all of that. Phil, we're going to sort of do a headline, stock rising, stock falling for each game, and then we'll get to sort of best goal stats or talking points and what it means for the group. So let's start with your talking point for England-Iran. Well, my talking point was that I didn't expect that, um, (laughs) quite simply, because, you know, during the kind of preview pod that we did for for the upcoming World Cup series, we we spoke about how Iran were very defensively well drilled under Carlos Quiros. You know, conceded just four goals in uh, ten games during qualifying for the World Cup. They they like to sit back and stock up the central areas, and I think that worked for about 
10 minutes, <laughs> maybe 11. Um, and I don't know why that happened or, you know, I think it sort of coincided with the keeper nearly um, having his head pushed off his neck. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure we'll get into that as well because that was a, a sizable talking point from the game. But for some reason, they just seem to lack any kind of structure. But the physicality and wanting to kick England as much as possible remained. Um, and it was like there was a bounty on some of those ankles. But yeah, very strange because I, I was expecting not not a, not an even game, but I thought they would be harder to break down, you know? And already, you know, those three goals went in, 14 minutes, you know, it, it was just... It, they, there was no way back. There was no way back for them and England were just kind of on cruise control after that. And I guess for, for me and for other England supporters, it was uh, the perfect start. Yeah, I, I think it's always difficult when you have a game like this where you can't totally understand or, or make sense of how much a team did right and how much the opposition did wrong. And that I think that does complicate the analysis somewhat just because some of the defending... Yeah, I mean, it's just not going to be like that in the future, allowing Saka to just put it onto his left foot and casually score a brace. And and by the way, let's hope that that's defending we see in the Premier League. Um, I think my talking point, Phil, has to be how many zeros did he add to his contract? (laughs) Mm. Uh, I'm kidding, but I'm not. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because Bukayo Saka scoring a brace against Iran does not mean he's any better than anybody ever thought. But it is his World Cup debut. He is announcing himself to a world that, may not be as familiar with them as we expect, although I think most in the English game will have been, and most in England will have been from the prior Euros. Also nice to see him. People talk about exercising demons. First of all, he doesn't strike me as a guy that's got demons from what happened uh, in the Euros. He hasn't ever played like that, and he certainly doesn't play for England like he's trying to exercise demons, but given what the last memory of him was in an international tournament, and this is the first memory of this tournament, it's a hell of a way to do it. So I'm probably stealing the stock rising section from you, but who is your standout player from uh, England six or, six or on to? Well, seeing as you've, you've spoken about Saka, I'll just touch on him quickly. I mean, he, he was, was my first stock rising naturally. And, you know, there was a funny, a funny, I think Eddie Longbridge posted it. Actually, it was that clip of the, of the Sopranos. And he was like, that's my son. Um, <laughs> and that's just whatever I feel, you know, I, we all no, feel I'm like proud 20, fathers today. Yeah. I'm 27 <laughs> and he's my large 21 year old son. And I, mm. and I love, he's just joy. He's just mm. joy on a football pitch. And I, and I'm so proud that he's come from our, our little Hale End Academy. And I just think he's, he's brilliant. And like you said, the defending <laughs> wasn't great. There was so much diving in. I mean, mm. what is like, what are you told when you're 11 years old, 10 years old, don't turn your, turn your back and it maybe was they watch like, Mustafi videos before the game as their inspiration don't do that Never Mustafi do that. skills and goals 2019 <laughs> HD with some EDM you know Euro <laughs> trash in the background <laughs> um, sliding into corner flags yeah mm-hmm. but um, yeah I just thought you know to be fair I don't think he was how he, he he wasn't deployed how he usually plays for Arsenal I thought he was quite narrow because obviously mm-hmm. Kieran Trippier is a very advanced fullback right so his natural instinct is to get forward every single time I mean whenever England were in possession Trippier was basically playing as a right winger which gave him a lot of time to drift in and he was a lot closer to goal which he he doesn't usually get um for in an Arsenal shirt and I quite enjoyed that 
because it, it you know it showed another part to his game and like you said I mean the first goal what an absolute screamer that is um, by the way straight into mm. the top corner but also the second one just being able to you can Did feel the confidence from the first one it took a little nick took mm. a little nick yeah it's a shame. Um, but you can just feel the confidence coming off him and like you said you know twisting turning again another little deflection on the second one but you know he's just he's just improving every week and we can see it and I remember chatting to you last last time we were doing this and it was like oh everyone's switched on now because they know what we see they see what we see finally and you know he's he's the best right winger in that squad I've got no doubt about it um yeah and yeah just delighted for him delighted it's funny it's almost like there's this unwillingness to lump him in with the Fodens, right? And the Mounts mm-hmm. and the, I was going to say Sancho. I don't think there's any issue with that anymore, right? But like, Who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's he's bigger than all of them. I mean, he's like, it's weird. As an Arsenal fan, maybe it's because of transfer fee quotes or the fact that they play at other play, you know, Foden plays for City or whatever the case may be. And, and you know, Mounts, Chelsea had been above us for a while, but like, th- they're not in his class. You know, Grealish is not in his class. Foden is not in his class. Mount is not in his class. And that's not right. That's that that's hyperbole. They're not any better than him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And to the extent, I mean, maybe the one you could argue on is Foden, but Sack is being trusted to start in these games and Foden isn't. And I think you even see it in the way they play, Phil. The ball goes to Saka a lot. He's the safe yeah. feet. He's the outlet. He's the he's the player you know will win the ball in a duel and keep it. And that goes a long way for a team, right? I mean, I I, I think we even see it for Arsenal at times. There's just a sense that when the ball gets into those feet, it's a safe place for it to be, you know? Completely, yeah. And I, I think that's, a like you said, a testament to him because he just has this knack to kind of brush things off. And going back to what you said before about the, you know, the Euro final and how devastating that was for him. And there was that image of him, you know, kind of crying into Southgate's arms and you could mm-hmm. see his age. Um, but you just see him now developing his body as well. His body feels really big and strong and he's riding tackles and he's spinning defenders. And I just think we're watching someone grow physically, mentally into a, just a really fantastic athlete. Um, and it's, it's a joy, really. It's a joy to watch. I think he's, he's, he's just such a talented person, you know, a player. You know, it's funny. Um, yeah, no, I agree. And we talked about in the Arsenal season, the way the fixture computer handed Arsenal some opportunities right? Like the Derby being a home game, then Liverpool at home after that and what the opportunity looks like. Or like when we lost the games, what was our next game? What was it? Forest at home, right? And we win 5-0 mm-hmm. and it was, or was it 5 I think it was 5-0. Yeah, and it was 5, yeah. And, and it was a game we needed in that moment when maybe we were having a wobble. You needed a fixture to get rid of the wobble and the fixture computer handed us that. I think it's fair to say that England have not looked brilliant under Southgate. They've not looked free-flowing at all. There have been questions about his selection uncertainty about whether he's the right man to go forward with. And the fixture computer hands it Iran as the opening game, a game where you can go and score six. Doesn't mean you're going to score six every game. Doesn't mean you're going to beat Wales or, or the USA or anything like that. But it certainly gets the tournament off in a direction where instantly it galvanizes support behind Southgate. He feels right back in his element in the tournament. Everybody feels calmed down. Do you think that Whatever now happens in the tournament, having this as the opening game was a gift to put away some of the frustration and negativity of qualifying and and the buildup and really get the tournament off on on a note that is more redolent of the Euros. 
Completely. I mean, like you said, if you were going to face anybody in that group, you'd want it to be Iran because obviously mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot of history with the US, a natural rivalry. And even with Wales, you know, their first World Cup in however many years, 30, 30 years, I think, you know, they haven't scored in, in 60 years in the World Cup. So there would have mm-hmm. been another big motivation for them to turn up against their neighbours and say, look, we're, we're here, right? So perfect game, perfect fixture. I think the injury to the keeper, which we should probably mention, um, that whole fiasco was was probably taking a bit of, of wind out of their sails, out of Iran's sails. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just think it was nice. And, and first of all, I'm happy that Southgate went with a 4-3-3. He put Rice there to be the one-man pivot and he just said to Mason Mount and Jude Bellingham, off you go. Off you go. Make it a, a five in attack. Make it a six in attack. You don't need to be back here with, with Declan, you know? Leave him there. He's fine. Um, and, you know, I was a little bit worried going into the tournament that the bad form might have put Southgate back into his shell. Um, but you could see, again, with, with Bellingham, I mean, we're talking about Saka being a young player leading, leading the way. I mean, he just ran the show in midfield. I mean, completely ran the show energy technique he even popped up with a goal yep i mean what an incredible player he, um he i mean if i didn't want to be a homer he'd be my stock rising my my standout player he if you don't know his age you'd never guess it that's for sure mm. just the class physicality culture in his game he's gonna look great in arsenal shirt next season don't you think well i'm I'm not looking forward to the millions of transfer stories that i'm going to have to read and write until then but Mm. he was yeah he was just a perfect game to get him bedded in as well um because there has been a bit of debate about who's going to be the the best midfield combination but i just love his on top of his talent his bravery and his personality he's got real personality the way he carries himself um, you know, in possession, he wants to make a difference. And I just think, you know, he's he should be in that midfield for the next 10, 15 years. So, um, is, is this yeah. still Kane's team? It feels like it's right on the brink of not being Kane's team, which I will think make it a lot it more likable for the record. <laughs> just, just about. I mean, he looked slow today. Yeah. He turned a couple uh, yep. of times and his ankle got another whack. Yep. I mean, there's going to be, yep. you know, there's going to be nothing left on those tendons in it by the end of his career. But, Fingers crossed. Um, you know, he did show his quality with a couple of really nice assists, to be fair. But like you said, opening game, feelings good, bed a few players in, get the formation you want. And it was, you know, Rashford scored 40 whatever seconds it was after coming on. It was just the perfect day, you know. Any issue day. with the goals Pickford allows? Ooh, <laughs> little arms. Yeah, I think so. I think the first one for me was gettable. Uh, I think Terrain is that a Maguire error well. too? Did we, you know we we're not talking about Maguire today, but he's still mm. someone that I I always expect to be a talking point at the end of most games. Yeah, but he alternatively he's a, a really huge presence in the other box to be fair but I did think he was a bit slow getting to Teremi for the first goal um I mean the sec- the penalty was was really soft for me I mean in the ninth minute of injury time is yeah. it really necessary to go hodle over to the screen and you know especially when you didn't give the first one I mean the Maguire it, one in the first it, half of course it's a, it's a silly penalty I mean who, who he's can. basically been tombstoned there and you know is you know um but yeah it was kind of a sympathy one don't really care about it too much. It was basically the last kick of the game. So, 
Fair enough. Well, we don't. I don't think there's a stock falling in this game necessarily. I mean, you're not going to pick anyone in Iran. I don't think just because. No, you know, no, I, not I at all. I just think from. they were the. You know, England were the better teams. Do you, do you have a stock simple. falling for England? I mean, is the stock falling? Maybe a, a player that would have hoped to start today who now doesn't. I mean, is it like a Foden maybe or? I mean, maybe Foden, but I, to be honest, I quite like Mason Mount in that role. Um, I, I think you see the the quality of Foden when he comes on, that ability to welcome the ball into tight spaces on the turn. You know, he's always looking forward, but I think Mount's very industrious. I think he plays a role in, in especially the first goal. So I don't really have too much of an issue with Mason Mount, although you can see the quality when Foden's there. You know, he's just that typical left-footed cultured you know he can see the game in a different way but against Iran I, I'm not going to get my you know proverbial knickers in a twist um, yeah. about it um, um, how about yeah. this as a quick talking point generally and then we'll move on to the USA Wales game um, what about this approach to stoppage time where basically every second the ball's not in play gets put back I mean it's it's as close as you're going to get to a stop clock kind mm-hmm. of kind of uh, timekeeping. And obviously because of some injuries and a head injury, we saw an immense amount of stoppage time at the end of the first half of the England game, but we're routinely seeing plus nine, you know, now at the end of these games. How do you feel about that approach? It's weird. I think it's going to take a bit of time to get used to because every time it goes up and I think 10 minutes, like where the hell has he got that from? (laughs) Um, You know, I definitely felt that for you earlier when you were backs to the wall there with 10 minutes left on the clock, but you know, I think in principle, it's a nice thing to try um, mm. whether or not players will adapt positive, positively to it. I mean, there was how many players going down with cramp today in that game just now? I think there was Yunus Musa, Nico Williams, um, even a couple towards the end. So it was, you know, there needs to be a balance. You can't just chuck on 15 minutes. But if it adds, you know, a couple of minutes that maybe we wouldn't have had before, I've got no issue with it. Um, just wanted to hear your thoughts on the on the keeper because I know we've spoken about concussion and, and the lack of protocol and the lack of awareness on the topic on this podcast before. What did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you have a head injury and you've been concussed, you come out and that's the end of that, right? Like, I mean, it it is difficult because anytime you weigh in on this stuff, there are inevitably going to be people that say you think you know better than the medical staff on the touchline, right? Mm-hmm. And what can I say? Yes, I do. I mean, clearly I don't. I just think the critical thing has to be that the person evaluating it is is non-party uh, co- consultant, right? Like not not a member of of either team. That that would be my only thing going forward. I just it's always hard to wade into this stuff because I feel very clearly that if someone's concussed, they shouldn't be on field to play potentially longer term, but certainly not the same game. But whether or not they're concussed is a decision that should not be getting made by the medical staff of the club or, or nation that represents them. That's all. Yeah, I, mean, I thought it was a scandalous decision. I mean, he was down for seven minutes yeah. and his nose was at a right angle when yeah. he stood up. <laughs> I mean, it was it, he clearly wasn't able to carry on. And just because he's telling you I'm fine... There are always going to be people, Phil, that are going to say, you think you know better than the people who examined him on the side. of the-. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. just, there's always going to be that perspective. And all I would say is the people that have an incentive to put the player back out there should not be the ones making the decision. You know? No, totally. And we had it with Emmy Martinez a few weeks ago. And I mm-hmm. hope, again, it just triggers a bit of common sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously, as someone who, not like I used to once upon a time, but casually watches the NFL, like there's, 
people whose lives are literally put at risk by this stuff every weekend. So, all right, let's let's go to the U.S. game. I'm going to say, as someone who lives in the USA, that's a disappointing draw. I think Wales will be happy to have gotten it. I I think they were second best in this game as my overall sort of 30,000 foot view, although not necessarily in the second half where the USA decided, hey, why don't we just sit on a one-goal lead despite having been dominant for half and not attempt to to try to get a second goal and see if we pay for that. We we did pay for it, so good for us. Um, What's your talking point from this game? Yeah, lack of control. Um, I I can't say I'm an avid watcher of the US men's national team, but the feeling I I have had when watching them in the past and through a few, you know, friends from across the pond, I do feel like Greg Berhalter's big weakness is an inability to control games uh, or manage games, should we he say. He is Unai Emery personified. <laughs> Well, there we go. I think that is the greatest um, comparison, you know, uh, for for the layman, for the neutral viewer who maybe Mm -hmm. doesn't know. Because the first half, I thought you were really good. I thought you were really, really good. I mean, that midfield three of Yunus Musa, Tyler Adams, Weston McKenney. I mean, Wales didn't get a kick. Honestly, they couldn't get out of the half. And I thought, hmm, okay, this is a, a US I haven't really seen too much. I mean, Anthony Robinson... Very advanced, Serginho Dest, very advanced. It, it looked like a team that was coached, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened at half time. You know, you got your goal, an excellent goal. You know, that, that bit of play from Pulisic, that run from out to in from Timothy Weyer, excellent finish. And I was looking at Wales thinking they're in trouble. They're really in trouble here because they cannot get the ball. And then they brought on Kiefer Moore who should have started, in my humble opinion, um, for Dan James. And the game completely changed. Yeah, Yeah, the game completely changed. My talking point is I just don't, I don't understand how coaches do this, whether whether it's Burholt or any other coach, which is, hey, we've had all the game. We've been the dominant force. Let's play scared to lose it instead of excited to win it. Because that's definitely going to get the most out of my team. We've got MLS level defenders and... European class, you know, international class midfielders and attackers. So you tell me what you want to do. You want to let Bale and Ramsey get close to goal where they can actually impact the game, or you want to push them back where they have to run in big spaces they don't have the legs for anymore. Like we just, it's a classic example of playing scared and getting punished for it. And I have to admit, I don't understand not starting with Brendan Aronson, although obviously he started really well. So maybe that's hindsight being a little bit 2020, but I think he's the form American player in the world right now, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, one talking point I will make is that this is probably the most assured USA midfield I've seen in a very, very long time. Adams, McKinney, Musa, like it, it was a, it was a good midfield display in that respect, but I don't know. Pulisic is not the Pulisic bold, even though he was involved in the goal. Like he, he doesn't look as clean in his touch. And the thing that shocked me in this game is just the number of times in the first half where the USA had numbers attacking space and made just a terrible final ball decision on like who to play in or where to play him. The number of well-struck, firmly struck passes that just couldn't be controlled. I don't know if it's nerves or what it is, but it just led to a second half where all the control went out of the game. And I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, a Gio Reyna who I don't, he didn't come on. Did he? No, he didn't come on. No, no, he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and at the very end when, you know, when you're chasing a goal, like can he open up space with his incredible ability to dribble two, three, four players? I, I don't know. Burhalter wants to just trust his guys to do it his way. He's slow to react. He's, he's not a front footed 
coach. And I, I get that the USA might have an underdog mentality because for years we've just been less talented than the opposition. But this is a group where we're going to face two teams that are less talented than us and one that's more talented. This was the game to go for it. I guess the, the question I'd ask you before we get to the individual performance is just, where do you think this leaves the U.S.? Because I think probably still big, big favorites to beat Iran based on what I saw. But Wales probably will be as well. And that means it all comes down to whether Wales or the USA can get a result against England. My guess is three points. Like I, I don't, you know, I don't know. Then, then you're at the mercy of, of goal difference. So is that how you see it too? Now it's just all about the, can, can either of these teams get a point off England? I think so. Um, I understand, you know, feeling down, especially how the game went, you know, the kind of the, the momentum shift, it was very clear, you know, but, I I believe in this group as a neutral. I think there's a lot of talent in this group. And I, you know, like you said, Brendan Aronson, one of the form players in the Premier League during the early part of the season on the bench, Gio Reyna on the bench. I thought the midfield three were excellent. I thought your wing backs or your your full backs were excellent. If you know, if if you're weak in one area, it's it's the centre backs. Um and we saw towards the end that when they panicked a bit, that's what that's what can happen with the penalty. Just crazy decision. I don't know what he was doing or thinking there. And I think he just saw bail and panicked. Um, but yeah, for me, the second game, USA, England, I think that's a big chance for you to stamp down some, some authority. Um, because Wales, you can never count them out, really. They're such a small together side and nation and Mm. in these tournaments that takes you far and they've got history of doing it in the euros as well so they they can find that 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 win from somewhere they can find a goal they can find a a magic moment from bale or from ramsey or from somebody um so for me it's it's very even it's very even but i wouldn't be so down at you know at this stage that's fair look i said it i I don't know what it is the usa men's national team just brings out the like negative fan of me. Like I can't help it. I get frustrated with it in a way that like I can get frustrated with Arsenal, but by and large, I can be really, I think, um, I think objective about it. Whereas I I struggle to be objective about the way the U S team plays. And maybe there's just something about national team football that does that. But I think it's, I think it's also the way that when the game went, Phil, if this was a ding dong back and forth affair and we were holding on and they were holding like, but the extent of control that we, had in the first half and the degree to which we were willing to just sit back and not try to impose ourselves in the second half and didn't react with the players who can do that. Like that's why I think I'm frustrated. There were a couple of counters early in the second half where we were sitting deep and I was like, well, I can understand playing on the counter in this situation a little bit now that Wales have to come out, but we'd break and it'd be two American players on the counter and nobody filling in to, to give numbers on the counter. And I'm like, if you're going to counter, you got to counter. So I don't know. I was frustrated. Do you have a a standout player from this game? I thought Anthony Robinson was excellent. I really liked his performance actually at left back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought in general, Tyler Adams was was a consistent performer. But I just think in Bearholter's system, his fullbacks are often pushed high and wide. And I and I think he took that responsibility very well. I thought he was technically clean. A lot of your play went through him. He was making good decisions. And, you know, I just thought, you know, good players stand out. They stand out on the on the pitch, on the on the screen. And for me, he was one of your, you know, 
probably your best on the day. Um, some quality moments from way aside, like we said, for the goal. Um, but yeah, I just thought he was he was your standout performer. Uh, I, I, I haven't watched him much. I know he plays in England, but I thought he was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought the midfield was good, so I almost want to just sort of pick the midfield collective, but I guess they weren't as good in the second half. But when the game was going mm-hmm. well, I mean, Tyler, Tyler Adams certainly stands out as somebody that I think was a key contributor to that to that degree of control. Um, in terms of an underperformer, I don't know that anyone individually underperformed tremendously. Like, I still think Pulisic is a guy that's supposed to be the star of this team, and he doesn't look like he has that star quality. But then again, it's really good play to to create the goal, so fair play to him. The, the player I'd have to say is Zimmerman because mm. just don't do that. Like, you, you can't, that's not, that's you just cannot tackle that way. And like to do that early in the game or in midfield, like whatever, but like, to do that in the box at that stage of the game with it wasn't to it wasn't to stop a clear chance, Phil. This wasn't like a he's going sitter. away. He's going away I, from goal. Yeah. It's yeah. that's really, really poor. That's really poor situational awareness from Zimmerman, you know? Mm. Yeah, I mean, Austin Trusty doesn't make that foul, you know. No, no, the, Le- the LeBron James of soccer, Austin Trusty. Um, yeah, I mean, I, w- I would say Pulisic. It, 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 people don't know. Someone, <laughs> uh, there's a famous video of someone saying Le- uh, Pulisic is the LeBron James of soccer, which maybe is true because LeBron James has passed his best. Um, <laughs> Already, so he's passed his best at 24 or 23. Well, well LeBron James is whether or not uh, Pulisic does. To be fair, like. I think he had a major hamstring injury a little while back, and I don't know if he's fully made it all the Mm. way back from that. But look, ultimately, drawing Wales in the opening game of the World Cup is not the end of the world, and and that's a Wales team that I don't think you'd call them pushovers, although the way they played, I don't think they had much to offer. But Mm -hmm. it it certainly leaves both the USA and Wales in a position to feel like they could go through. They're going to need to take points. One of them is going to have to take points off. England probably to get through. So first up yeah. will be USA on Friday. Um, let's let's quickly zip through the next two games uh, with no disrespect mm-hmm. intended to the Netherlands, Senegal, uh, Qatar, or Ecuador. But Netherlands, Senegal, I watched it. I mean, like this was actually kind of a fun game. Um, it Cody was. Gak- Cody yeah. Gakpo makes the impact. He scores the the winner. Um, they make it safe very 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 late. But Senegal had chances. They broke forward at pace. They. They were fun. They contributed to a good back and forth game. I thought, um, you know, and, and considering Louis Van Hall can can really deliver the dire football. Like this was this was a very watchable game. A lot of shots, a lot of attacking possession. And ultimately, I think uh, Gakpo just makes the difference with a beautiful run, really well timed run, and a nice header. Yeah, I mean the the game was played at a really fun tempo. Yeah, it was just one that lacked quality. You know, mm-hmm. um, I thought it was quite interesting to see Gakpo start as the ten. Um, because usually we're used to him being, Out wide. you know, the left, the, the you know, the, the major influence on the left hand side. But how the hell is Vincent Janssen starting games, you know, in the mm. World Cup? I mean, it's just, just bizarre. But you know, I was quite amazed at how unable they were to progress the ball during the first half. It was literally all on Frankie De Jong to dribble the ball forward, and even then, he got caught a couple of times. I thought. Matthias De Ligt looked really uncomfortable in a back three. I mean, Ismail Assar had him on toast a few times. Um, but like you said, the the goal came from the only real moment of quality, which was A, a beautiful ball from Frankie de Jong, and, and B, a, a lovely run and header from, from Gakpo. I mean, it was a really brave one as well when you consider 
Mendy was coming out to to punch at full force, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's done excellently well to get onto that, and I think Senegal were, were quite fun in periods, but you know they missed the quality of Sadio Mane, and that's not it's not a, a huge surprise. Um, but whenever they did get into areas, promising areas, they just they just snatched at things or rushed things, and you could see that they really missed a kind of talisman to to get them over the line, should we say. But yeah, ultimately, I thought a couple of poor Mendy moments, a couple of good moments from the Netherlands made the difference. Yeah. Um, do, you have a, do you have a standout performer from this one? <sighs> I mean, I, actually, I thought, I thought Koulibaly was really good for Senegal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I thought he, he did really well, especially marshalling that left-hand side with with Dumfries. He's such a threat for the Netherlands and he kind of locked that side down. But ultimately, I think De Jong was their match winner alongside Gakpo. Um, so either one of those two really, but nobody really stood out to me during the game. I just think it was um, one or two moments of quality that made the difference. Although I thought Mendy was was really poor, especially for the second goal. Really, really weak wrists for that for that goalkeeping. Yeah, I mean that was terrible, but they, I that's the goalkeeping howler so far for me, but because the game was kind of dead like it was the very very end of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't mm-hmm. know what difference it made. Do, do you have an underperformer in that game? I, it's hard for me to think of one that I'd want to pick out. No, I mean I would I would just say Mendy. I thought he could have done a lot better and we expect better from him. You know, I think he's he's really struggling at the moment, but he's uh, lost his the place first for his goal club, you know? Yeah, to Kepa. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, you know, the first goal can happen. I think the delivery is excellent. The run's excellent. And he's just late. But the second one for me was really soft. But like you said, it, in terms of the game state, it didn't make too much of a difference. It's kind of interesting because we, we, I think we saw a day of questionable keeping. Like Mendy was questionable. Pickford, I think, maybe questionable. didn't matter. Matt Turner, I mean, he gets to the... Penalties never saving the the power's too much. I mean, he's but, got an excellent record. He's got an excellent yeah. penalty record. But um, he flaps at a cross that could have, that that could have been worse. Now, to be fair, he also made a sensational save from a header. So maybe he I'm did. A yeah, there. from Ben um, Davies. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, last one, and it's probably distant memory for a lot of people by now. But Cutter Ecuador, Ecuador Cutter didn't really have much about them. Ecuador get a couple of Enter Valencia goals, not super watchable in my view. Um, and I think the fans at the ground felt the same way based on the number of them that stuck around to see the end. It just, um, it was, it was a subdued opening game is the best way I can put it. Yeah. It was a bit of a shame really. Although I think on the day Ecuador were well worth the win, you know, you could just see as a team, they had much more quality, you mm-hmm. know, they have, you know, some good players, Ecuador, they have Hincapier in defense who plays for Bayer Leverkusen, Estupinian and Caicedo who play for Brighton and Valencia people will remember from his time at West Ham mm-hmm. so look I mean when they needed it they had the quality because Qatar especially physically I thought they they were nowhere near Ecuador on the day they were a typical South American side you know strong physical in transition although they have some decent technical quality as well and I just think we were speaking about Iran maybe being the the three points that people are looking for I mean <laughs> Qatar are about as you know um, as free as three points will get, and that's just you know not being rude or condescending. It's just let's just be honest about is. the quality. You know, yeah, it, it's just being honest, and you know I think as the host nation, they'll they'll feel very fortunate to be there. But you know when teams like Ecuador are pretty much steamrolling steamrolling you, it doesn't look good for the rest of your prospects. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. Uh, do you have a 
a standout or an underperforming player from that from that game? I mean, Enna Valencia, I think he's, to be fair, I, when when he was at West Ham, I quite liked him. I thought he was always a nuisance, you know, very sharp in the box, good in the air, kind of like similar to Diogo Jota a little bit in how mm. he can just pop up with a yeah. goal. Um, it's a shame he, he might be injured though, um, because I think he's kind of the dad of that group. Um, because they're a very young team, Ecuador, they're, they're rebuilding. So it would be a shame for him to to miss out. But I thought he took particularly the second goal very well. So he would be my my uh, my standout player, I think. Yeah, well, um, let's get your best goal of the tournament so far. Oh, best goal. I, I would have to say... it's. It, I, I would, I'm going to go for Saka's first one. I know it took a little bit of a... A nick, but I just think the confidence to take that on, um, the way it just flew past the keeper into the roof of the net, I thought it was a really lovely moment for him and you could see that he enjoyed it. And I'm just, you know, I'm just so happy that he's ours and we can really take pride in him because sometimes footballers can be in the clouds or... Mm. But he he couldn't be further towards the ground. I mean, he's the most grounded individual I think I've ever seen. Um, yeah. And I'm just so proud that Except he's, he's ours, you know? R- riding yeah. an inflatable unicorn. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> as as an Arsenal homer, I would go for Saka. I actually think the USA goal aesthetically might be the one of the tournaments so far, just in terms of the beautiful. pace of the move, mm-hmm. the sweeping move, Pulisic's reverse pass to to way and then the the finish was really nice um just had the nice, run's excellent yeah the run's, the run's excellent. it's like the finish classic crisp. theo run from out to in you yeah know, theo walcott run yeah yeah no i so I, I i do think it had nice aesthetic quality i don't know that there's another one that stands out to me in yeah i mean we haven't had a galazzo yet right but no 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 but that, that'll hold Not up yeah so so let's do this real quick um we know what it means for the group. It's one group we understand. It's very clear. England in the driver's seat, but the games that they'll have to take points off for USA and Wales. USA and Wales drawing mm-hmm. now means they need to take points off um, England. One of them does to probably go through. Iran's going to be the punching bag, and we think uh, Qatar likely will be in their group as well. So we'll do this. We'll finish off by looking forward to tomorrow. Uh, 4 a.m. wake up for me if I want to catch Lionel Messi's debut. I probably will not make that. But it's Argentina, Saudi Arabia, and Mexico, Poland in Group C. Denmark, mm-hmm. Tunisia, and France, Australia in Group D. All eyes will likely be on Argentina and France. Um, but you've got one of your dark horses going tomorrow in Denmark, Tunisia. So you looking for them to show the form they had in the Euros to to prove you're right about them? I hope so. I, I hope so because they were fun. Really, really fun. Three at the back, fullbacks all the way up, you know, really high intensity, cute, clever football. And you never know, maybe one of the loves of your more, your more recent scouting videos, mm-hmm. Jesper Lindstrom, might be featuring. So you never know. Might I, be I a chance to look at him. him. Yeah, and yeah. Mexico, Poland, probably the game that has the most riding on it in some ways. I mean, I think we expect Denmark, France, and Argentina to win their games, likely. Doesn't mean it'll happen. That's the expectation. Mexico, Poland, the two teams that will feel they have a chance to go through in Group C if they can get these points, right? Yeah, it's a bit of a showdown, bit of a showdown between those two because we obviously, like you said, Argentina likely likely favourites in that group, but kind of similar to how Wales and USA are are neck and neck in in Group B, those two will be thinking, okay, if we can get a win here, it would do a lot for our chances to get out of this group. So, you know, I think again, 
I haven't been overly impressed with both teams, but I think Poland maybe could edge that just from Robert Lewandowski. Um, if anyone's gonna is, is gonna have a moment, it's gonna be him. And I just think they have star quality up front that Mexico don't have. Yeah, well said. Well, we get a look at some of the stars too that the tournament we've been waiting to see in Messi and Mbappe and well, France have a, a constellation of stars. No Benzema. No Benzema. No though. Benzema. I know that no is no Nkunku no or yeah. Benzema. I mean, as a mm. as a final final thought, when they lost Nkunku, I was sort of like, nah, they, they got enough. Losing Benzema and Nkunku now, does France have a goal scoring issue? Well, I mean, Olivier Giroud is is two goals away from being their record scorer, but he's only scored one World Cup goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the question, can he step up? I mean, Mbappe he's will, will be the main man. Yeah, No, he's not Benzema. But um, let's see. I think Griezmann's there. You know, they, they have goals. They have goals. But it's 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 two big blows there. Two it's big a shame blows. to lose the the reigning, I guess, uh, Ballon d'Or winner from the World Cup. But there you mm. have it. Um, in a in a tournament already missing the likes of Erling Holland. So we'll see what happens um, tomorrow. We'll be back with another World Cup daily. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll leave it there. Phil's on Twitter at underscore Phil Costa. Thanks, Phil. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And there's a reason I tell you to block me. Look, I'm sorry if I, I brought your vibe down, American fans who are listening to this. We had a good first half. We had a bad second half. I, I have my doubts about Burhalter, and, and maybe I'm just being overly critical. There's still time to turn it around. Uh, Friday's game will still be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. So, all right, more coming tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. We love you. And we will talk to you after your country 10, other country nil. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.